Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Live from South Florida, the Brian Mudd Show starts right now. Now, now. News Radio 610 WIOD. million federal workers from FBI agents to TSA workers should have gotten their final COVID shot by now to make the vaccine mandate deadline. That's because it takes two weeks after the last shot, according to the CDC, to be fully immunized. Disciplinary action for not getting the vaccine can begin as early as this week. The White House says it's not worried about a mass exodus. All right. So our ports, we'd heard going back uh, a few weeks now that we're going to start making more use of them. all these supply chain problems across the country. We're going to make greater use of our ports to try to relieve some of these problems. Real interested to hear how that might be going. And here is uh, somebody who could tell us all about it. The chief executive of Port Everglades, port director and chair of the Florida Ports Council, Jonathan Daniels, joining us now. Thank you for taking the time. We appreciate it. Hey, great to, great to be here with you this morning. So how are we doing? I mean, are, are, is there a meaningful difference with ships that have rerouted and and other suppliers that are making use of our ports that normally wouldn't have for the supply chain? Yeah, it, it's something that doesn't happen overnight. You know, there, it, when you take a look at global supply chains, there are traditional trade routes. Certainly, it's much easier to get to the West Coast from Asia than it is to come through the Panama Canal or, or Suez Canal. We do, we do know of a trade lane that has changed a little bit, though it's on the East Coast. Most of, most of the press has been what's going on in, in Southern California. Uh, but recently, Jacksport uh, did secure, at least for a short period of time, to get through the holiday season, the Hapag Lloyd service, which traditionally had been going to the powerhouse on, uh, on the East Coast, and that's the Georgia Ports Authority. So we have seen one move. Uh, and then earlier this week, uh, we did have uh, the majority of the ports, all the container ports, uh, get together under the Florida Ports Council, meet with the Florida Department of Transportation, and start to establish a strategy to utilize Florida's ports uh, to a greater extent to try and take care of some of this congestion. You take a look at logistics, and it kind of makes sense why ports north of ours in Florida have been focal points uh, in, in terms of getting from here to there. But do you think that some of these uh, changes might end up becoming permanent, that maybe they'll figure some uh, some logistics out that makes sense after all? Yeah, we, we certainly hope so. You know, when you take a look at Jacksport, just south of Savannah, that's that's probably the one that can really take a, a shot at them and trying to deal with some of the congestion and is you know deals with the same hinterlands in the upper uh, in the upper Midwest. When you take a look at Florida's uh, southern ports, primarily Miami uh, and Port Everglades, we are prim- we are primarily consumption zone ports. About eighty percent of the cargo that comes into Port Everglades. Uh, is consumed in South in South Florida. In fact, 69% of all of our inbound cargo actually goes into Miami-Dade, about 18 to 20% into Broward County. Uh, and then we do have some specific cargos that, that do end up going uh, into the rest of the United States. We think if we look at it as a system and take advantage of the strengths of each of the ports, that we can be a force when it comes to changing some of the trade patterns. I know about enough of what's coming into our ports to uh, to only get myself in trouble if I talk too much about it. 
sure. So, the, yep. Jonathan, th- that being said, I mean, I know most of our gas in in South Florida is coming through Port Everglades, for example. It Beyond does. energy, are what else usually will come through? We we are one of the we're one of the nation's nation's largest. Uh, uh, ports for handling fruits and vegetables, the perishables market, coming out of, because our traditional trade lanes are north and south, uh, we end up in a situation where we're handling a lot of the fruits and vegetables that come out, come out of Central America, not only are consumed here, but because of that, we do spread throughout the southeastern United States. Uh, other than that, we, just, we, handle, we handle a lot of vehicles uh, as well. We'll handle probably sixty to 70,000 units this year. But what you pointed to is really one of our primary important po- points uh, for South Florida. If you're going to drive or fly in South Florida, you are going to utilize a product that comes through Port Everglades. It actually was, was something that uh, really came to bear uh, and the importance of the port when the Colonial Pipeline happened. Uh, a lot of people were sure. starting to do the panic, hit that panic button, uh, but we weren't, we weren't touched down here at all. Uh, that was more north, uh, northern Florida and into the east coast of the United States. Yeah, it's such a good point. We're talking to uh, Jonathan Daniels. He's the chief executive of Port Everglades and the port director, chair of the Florida Ports Council. Uh, you, I, speaking of like, you know, what can come into ports, I know different ports have different uh, depths and ability for, you know, a, a dealing with certain size ships. Um, how limited are our ports in, in terms of a lot of the, the tankers that are out there? Yeah, we, we can, uh, we're, we're getting ready to hopefully go through a dredging project that will kick off in about 2024. But again, when you take a look at the ports as a system, uh, Miami dredged a few years ago uh, to get down to 50 feet. They do have some restrictions in their entrance channel, which keeps them down to about 45 feet. Uh, so they can get a vessel well in excess of 10,000 uh, TEUs or, or 5,000 full container units. Uh, they're finishing up a dredging project in Jacksport to be able to handle that 12 to 14,000 uh, TEU size vessel. Currently, we're seeing vessels that approach 10,000 TEUs. So Florida's ports can handle just about anything that's out there. Uh, with, with, though, when you do take a look at LA Long Beach and you take a look at what they're doing in Savannah, uh, their traditional large size vessel starts at about 14,000 TEUs and even goes larger than that. Uh, but as far as Florida ports are concerned, we can handle just about anything that's in the mix. So we certainly can bring uh, just about anything in. Uh, doesn't doesn't matter the trade lane. We're we're able to accommodate it. Yeah, that's good to know. That's that's really good information. Hey, Jonathan, as you're kind of taking a look at the lay of the land right now, what's your expectation for the supply chain? Are things getting better in real time, or what's the outlook here? No, I, I don't. I don't think you're going to see this uh, rectified for for a long period of time, and and that's where we can really. Uh, kind of take a look at a long-term strategy. You, you're still looking at in excess of 70 vessels that are sitting off uh, off the ports in LA and the Long Beach. You're sitting at, at well more than than a couple of dozen off of off of Savannah. You know the problem is right now we just got hit by the holiday season. We got hit by new buying power coming out of the pandemic. Most of the supply is back online in Asia and other parts of the world. It was the perfect storm, and I think what this is doing now it's pointing to the inefficiencies. Uh, in the supply chain, it's not just at the ports where you just continue to layer cargo on top of cargo. Uh, it's a lack of drivers. It's a lack of available tractor trailers on the roads. And, and it's also compounded with the problems that you're seeing on the railways right now. So it's a multidisciplinary problem uh, that really needs to be t- attacked in totality. Uh, it, in, unless we see some type of, uh, of, of, of strategy really 
by the U.S. ports and the U.S. transportation system. This is something that's going to it's going to hit us for a long period of time. It was just a matter of time before something like this happened. Unfortunately, it happens right now, and it's going to be a long time till it's rectified. And I, and I think we're going to see this type of supply chain issue uh, and the inefficiencies going forward for years to come. Wow. Okay. Well, I mean that is a uh, a dose of reality for sure, and I'm I'm glad yeah. to to be able to get the uh, the right information right from the source, Jonathan. I really do appreciate it. Thank you very much. Hey, Brian, appreciate the, the opportunity to be with you here this morning. And you got it, Jonathan Daniels, again, Chief Executive at Port Everglades, Port Director, Chair of the Florida Ports Council. And we'll have Natalie in a trending story up next here on the Brian Mud Show. He's ready to go 610 WIOD.